Hello and welcome to Talking Dad UK, a podcast where we discuss all things dad. Follow and support the podcast on social media at Talking Dad UK One. All links will be in the show notes and descriptions. Hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Talking Dad UK and I'm joined by Paul from uh, Parent Guide to GCSE. Hi Paul. Hi, how you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. Good, thanks. Yeah. Um, we've just been chatting a little bit um, off air of uh, family life and double booking ourselves and <laughs> plan- planning things in too early when the kids aren't quite in bed yet. That's my problem. <laughs> well, that's your problem. Mine's now, th- well, the, the one who's still at home is now 13, so therefore pretty much runs herself. Yeah. Um, it's the holy grail that you've got to work a little bit hard, well, not harder for, but I suppose your daughter's got to grow up first, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of family, a little bit about your background and, and your life and dad life and fatherhood. Sort of. Well, I'd, you know, I'm, I'm probably similar to you know, a pajillion dads out there that um, had a you know, um, beautiful children, uh, twins um, uh, in my case, and uh, everything was fantastic. They got to five years old, they're fit and healthy. And then you know, the inevitable sort of bombshell of, uh, you know, the, the, the marriage isn't quite working out. Uh, it's me, it's not you, all that kind of stuff. And um, I mean, essentially, without sort of going into too much detail, what, what followed was a fairly hideous divorce. And, you know, you try and keep, well, I, I certainly did, kept the kids at the forefront of everything. And it's just a bit, it's an ugly process. Um, it's unpleasant, but, you know, um, they're now 19. Um, they're fully rounded, fabulous uh, young men. And, you know, they, they've, uh, they and me have su- survived the process. So uh, I've now got a new wife, a 13 year old daughter, as I said. And, uh, yeah, fatherhood is, is, you know, highly recommended. And uh, all the challenges pre- presents, I just, you know, you, you just get on with it. It's been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but absolutely rewarding. So. So you're well-placed, as we'll talk about in a little while, you're well-placed on, on the teenage side of things, having been through all of that and, and sort of what you're doing now work-wise. Um, you cover all bases on that side of things, can't you, with your experience? For the next six weeks, I've got three teenagers in the house. So, uh, And then uh, 1st of May, they're 20 years old, the boys. So, um, you know, oh, wow. okay. we're, we're quickly reducing our teenage numbers. Yeah, I've um, I've got a long way to go. I've got a five-year-old <laughs> and a 10-month-old so a long way <laughs> long long way but good times good fun yeah yeah well <laughs> Mi- mixed mixed reviews so far no it's been pretty good i believe that you were stay-at-home dad at one stage in the early years of your older well i was um i i was working in in london um, no, no, in fact, I started, with, I started working at Barclays Stockbrokers in Peterborough. Uh, it was a good job, enjoyed it. But at the time, there's lots of people doing the, the commuting to London to sort of work in banking in London. You earn a lot more money. You know, the, the railfare is a bit nasty and all that kind of stuff. So I went to work in London. I then sort of moved out to Frankfurt again, uh, probably chasing the money, that kind of stuff. But it's when I was in Frankfurt that uh, my wife uh, and I found out that she was pregnant and uh, and the twins were on the way which is a bit of a shock obviously wasn't on the plan right. um 
but at the time, as I say, I had my own company. I was kind of freelancing uh, in, in Germany. I came back to, to London and carried on doing what I'd done before I went to Germany. And um, when it came to uh, the children being born, it was a case of, well, you know, my my job in London just wasn't, you know, it wasn't suitable to being a, 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 a parent who was present in any way, shape or form, because I, I was leaving. I did it for Pretty bad. I can't remember the exact time scale. It was about two or three weeks uh, after after maternity leave, uh, paternity leave, and um, I would go to work before they're awake, and I would get back after they've gone to sleep. And yeah, there's not there's not an awful lot in there in terms of uh, parenting or fatherhood or whatever. And, um, and my wife at the time was really struggling, and um, she she wanted to go back to work. So uh, from my point of view, it's a really really straightforward um, decision uh, to say, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, not carry on working in London I'll be the full-time stay-at-home dad uh, my wife went back to work and um, yeah it was uh, what followed was um, best 18 months it's, it is the best job I've ever done um, really loved it loved every second of it and you know uh, I'm not for anyone who sits there thinking well two sort of you know two babies at home uh, twins etc it's a nightmare it's, it's difficult yeah I mean it, it was never easy but um, with the help of a very good book, which um, Gina Ford uh, is, is a hero of mine, frankly. Um, it, honestly, I, I found it quite easy because uh, I, I just followed everything that she said to the letter. And, uh, and hence, the, the, well, I think she's a genius. It was, it was genuinely, one, a fabulous experience. And two, I, th- I found it quite easy because, you know, the children did what the book said they would do. They, you know, I was absolutely in charge of them, not the other way around. So some people say it's a little bit limiting. You can't go very far. You can't go out of an evening. You can't take them too far away from the home environment. But to get them those early early days into a routine, brilliant. Loved okay, it. that's interesting. I've, I've spoken to a few stay-at-home dads and um, spoken about it with other dads that aren't stay-at-home dads and we've we've because i'm not one we've uh had mixed conversation and reviews let's say of how we feel that that might work for us <laughs> yeah, i mean it's bizarre in that just today actually i had a friend pop over um he is window cleaner and uh I, i've known him for 19 and a half years and the reason i know it's that long is that um he he was cleaning the windows of my house when when the boys were born and because and i, I again i you know i Forgive me for anyone sitting there thinking he's a bit smug. This was far, clearly far too easy. Um, the, the kids, they just slept all the time, you know, because they were really, they're premature. So, you know, when they come out of hospital, they're still you know, tiny and what have you. It was a case of they just slept and slept and slept. So I would do all the housework, all, you know, get food ready, cook fresh meals, you know, um, uh, batch them up, stick them in the freezer. So ice cube, kind of, all, all this Gina, um, Gina Ford stuff. And yeah. um you know, so I had loads of free time on my hands. So I was sitting there playing, playing PlayStation, don't judge me. Uh, playing, <laughs> at the time, it was Pro Evo. Uh, this bloke knocks on the door, do you want your windows? Do it? Yeah, 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 please. You know, it's all what's going on. And from that day onwards, we were still still FIFA buddies or Pro Evo buddies or whatever. Okay, and it, yeah. it's ridiculous that that bond is still there. And the reason I could do it is because um, because I had time at, at the time, because, you know, kids, four hours at a time, fast asleep got everything done that I needed to do and uh yeah um I'll look back on it with a lot of fondness yeah that's one of the differences I've found with mine with my five-year-old although he didn't sleep well at all during the nights 
he would have them big naps during the day. So whenever I did have him, when I was working shifts and I had the, him for the day, I would find that I can get things done during that time and bit of make a cup of tea, sit down and do something or watch something on telly that was that I wanted to watch. And with the second one, this second time around, I'm working from home and I'm not doing shifts. So I'm granted I'm obviously doing it a lot less, and, but he doesn't seem to have the, the same long naps in the day and he still doesn't sleep great at night either <laughs> but, but. i mean you know i don't know if, i don't know if anyone has ever heard of this book before but um it's called contented little baby by gina oh, okay and um, but she tells you and i don't mean to bang on about this but she tells you what yeah, at what age you know when you work out the weights and stuff i think it's done on weight rather than age okay so this way what you need to do is you put them to bed at this time you, you know start the bedtime it's all really prescriptive and it sounds a little bit kind of a bit full-on but mm. when you get the the rewards back of you know and, and i i would for example again time has dimmed some of my memory i'm sure it was really hard at the time but <laughs> I, I would wake them up at two in the morning they'd be fast asleep but it was me waking them up not them waking me up for right. food so I'd wake them up, you know, quick prod, you know, a couple of bottles, bosh, bosh, bosh. Um, 20 minutes later, back in bed, they're fast asleep. And, you know, and then in the morning at seven o'clock, I would wake them up rather than them. And it's it's just all, you know, the woman is a genius. I don't, I've never, you know, she's a genius and she's still selling loads of books on the back of it. Okay. So for any dads listening or expectant dads with young ones, it might be worth investing some time in that book. I've heard of, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it myself. No, I mean, I, I should be on commission. Um, the yeah. woman's a genius. I don't know how she, where she, I mean, I, again, I can't remember the backstory. Has she got twins? It works for singles as well as twins. It's just, you know, with, with twins, I think you need that bit more control because, you know, if, if one wakes up um, at two in the morning, for example, and then you, because they're hungry, you feed it, yeah. stick it, stick the child back to bed, feed it, feed him or her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then the other one wakes up, you know, an hour later, you're just never going to sleep, are you? it's no, on this no. kind of reoccurring cycle so i think that was the basis behind her you take charge you wake them up but yeah it was good no. emphasis on the routine and getting them both exactly on the same path <laughs> yep <laughs> so when you when did when did you go back to work then from from that time at home well, um i had the i had the business um sort of uh, the contracting business so i had my own company set up and it was a case of um, if I wanted to go back to London and carry on doing what I was doing, again, I'd be back to the six in the morning, getting up, train station for 6.50, I live in Peterborough, so on the main commute. Um, and, yeah, I'd have been back to not seeing them. So, um, okay. you know, I just, it was a discussion with my wife at the time. So, well, what can I do with my skills that um, are going to be more conducive to um uh, yeah, to being a good father and uh, at that point decided that teacher training was the thing to do so um, okay. at the time there was a shortage well there's always a shortage of teachers let's be honest but there was a particular shortage of IT teachers my degree was in IT uh, I applied uh, and you know again things have changed but there's something at the time called a graduate teacher program and that was aimed at slightly older chaps so I was I guess probably in my early 30s at the time and um, I, I had a salary, so I couldn't afford to, you know, from my previous job, I couldn't afford to train and be, you know, to earn nothing. So this graduate training scheme, it was, you know, the minimum amount of money they could pay you is on, on the unqualified teacher scale. I think it's about 13 grand a year or something. And um, yeah, I just did that for the year, got my qualification. And uh, in the, I think it was the second training school I went to, I spent my rest of, rest of my career there. So. 
okay. until uh, I left literally pretty much two years ago to the day as COVID struck, I had to jump ship because I've got a slightly dodgy immune system. So I, I finished about a week early before lockdown happened. Okay. Wow. I was listening earlier to your um, yours and your wife's guest appearance on Genuine Chit Chat podcast, which I've, I've been a guest on myself with Mike. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting listen because his partner's a teacher as well. And, and there was a lot of crossover of how teaching maybe was pre pandemic yeah. and, and but when you were leaving and, and maybe and like when you were started as well and then coming into um what it's like now as as um as her being a, a younger um younger qualified teacher or newly qualified teacher let's say yeah <laughs> so very interesting yeah, it's, it's definitely different to, to the profession I, I first started in yeah um I just got to the stage where and I don't know whether it was the school I was working in but I don't think it was because my wife's done been to three or four different schools and, and she, she was the one who kind of fell out of love with teaching before I did. Um, it was just getting harder and harder. And that's, that's not an age thing. That's not me sort of into my forties and early fifties. It was a case of this just isn't fun anymore. Uh, the kids are, are harder to control and there's just more expectations and yeah, you know, pulling all nighters to do marking, um, it just, yeah, you know, I think people who aren't teachers don't understand how they, they always bang on about the, the massive school holidays, but the, yeah. <laughs> the hours and hours and hours of marking and preparation way beyond what any normal human being should be doing in a week, right. uh, hours per week, I guess. Um, it, it just wasn't for me, it wasn't sustainable. And, uh, and that's, that's why we made the decision to uh, start the business. So there's, that's some of your, frustrating parts and the annoyances of the job as it became are there any other particular challenges that you recall and and on, on the flip side of that what what were the rewarding bits as of being a teacher in a school oh, being a teacher is brilliant you know for, for anyone who's I, I i do think um it, a lot of it is about and teaching is no different to any job in that there's challenges within the work environment so sitting there as a teacher saying oh well um, you know my school wasn't supporting me and what have you it you know every school is different every employer is different uh, and I think that was my my issue was that and I don't want to get too political but as soon as academy but <laughs> and then I'm going to as soon as <laughs> academization became a thing um schools just became a little less human I think right. so rather than being you know for example we had um before it became an academy we had a, an HR um guru hr director within the building uh, and she was fab and if you had an issue if you were if you were poorly uh, when you got back from sickness she'll be there to sort of check you're okay check you fit to work um but it's from a, a human side it's from a you know poorly you're okay you know is there anything we can do so, to support you and it wasn't this kind of like throw away you know get back to work we need you to be working a bit harder sort of thing it was a genuine and as soon as the academy took over, they kind of got rid of all these uh, internal HR people and, and they got a central unit in you know where, where, wherever they're based. And, you know, if you're poorly, which yeah, I'm not very often, but you fill in a form, and, you know, where does it go? Nobody cares. It, it goes to a, a database somewhere that shows the number of days off I've had. Nobody bothers to ask if you're OK. Right. You know, it's, it's just this kind of uh, and for me, that was the the, 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 the thing that started to demonstrate that it wasn't 
wasn't as, as good a job as it had been. But when when you've got a good employer who takes care of you, teaching, you know, teaching great kids, um, I don't think there can be a better job on the planet. It's just so nice. Yeah, kids filter out of the room. Thanks, so I love that. Or the, the you know the wow moment where they suddenly get something or something they've learned something they didn't know before, and it's just all slotted into place. It's like, oh, oh wow, that's really cool. Um, I don't think you get that in, in a lot of jobs, and teaching is is fabulous. But I, I think you know um, when, from my point of view, when it gets to the point where you're not happy, rather than moaning about it, either put up or do something about it and, and my wife and I decided to do something about it and started the business and hopefully the rest is history so what what sort of ages were you teaching at school is it a secondary uh, I've always always been a secondary teacher okay um yeah I, I looked at it before I started primary and secondary were both options but because my specialism was in ICT they don't do ICT as a sort of discrete subject in primary so it was very much a you're going to do secondary uh, and and that's that's how it was so 11 to 18 towards the end of my career I did a lot more um, post-16 teaching post-16 tutoring was one of my kind of um, passions I suppose okay uh, I, I think I was a post-16 tutor for the last probably 13 years well 13 years of the 15 I did two two years as a year eight tutor and then the rest was was as a sixth form tutor which yeah, again, if, you, if you're after a tutor role, that's definitely the one to go for. I loved it. All right. Okay. So if I can ask you for, if you've got an opinion on, <laughs> from your experience, one of the questions I come up with about schools and about teachers is basically how flexible can teachers and schools be dealing with kids and families? And in particular, in relation to SEN, special educational needs or just them kids that are really struggling to get to grasp what school's all about and would probably benefit better from the more vocational subjects. Did you experience mm. that? And and have you got thoughts on it? For... I've I got too many thoughts on that. Okay. <laughs> today. However, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the quick rundown. Um, and again, if I use, you know, I make it sound like I was doing the job forever, but in the 15 to 16 years, give or take, that I was doing the job, when I started off, if I just talk about from a vocational point of view, IT is a vocational subject, it's an option subject, it's not the core maths, you know, English science, etc. But when I, when I first started at my school, there were five ICT teachers, computing teachers, whatever it's called this week, business studies. There was a whole a huge department, maybe six or seven. We did economics as well as business studies. Uh, and then, you know, all the other uh, aspects, you know, PE was huge as well. And, but PE wasn't just an A-level. It was a B-tech. It was a, they had lots of different options to suit different children because some kids are great at exams, the, you know, the terminal assessment where you do two years of hard work for A-level, if we're talking about, um, well, I suppose it works for GCSE, you, but particularly for A-level, you do two years of hard work, and then it's all based on the exams at the end. Two exams, if you're not on form that day, it's not going to work out for you. Now, see, for some kids, that doesn't work. It's not a model that you know, they like to be... Um, you know, not tested, but just checked on as they go through. So that, you know, the BTEC style um, you know, uh, qualifications, and those are slowly but surely being, being weeded out. Um, you know, schools can't afford to put on the rich variety of, of subjects they're used to. When I left um, my, my uh, last school, that same department of five IT teachers was down to basically me. I was the only one left. Uh, business studies down from seven to, to one part-timer. 
you know, trying to get other people in, trying to get another business studies teacher in to sort of cover some, because he was part-time, so they needed another couple of three days. But, you know, from, let's just call it for round numbers, 12 teachers down to one and a half or two, that just shows you how little of this vocational offering is now available. And that's that's purely to do with money. It's to do with funding. It's not to do with the fact you can't get IT teachers or business, business studies teachers. It's just an underfunding over the years has resulted in, you know, um, then not being able to offer them as, as subjects. And it's really frustrating because a lot of kids do not do well at traditional, uh, you know, academic subjects. They need the slightly more vocational sports, PEIT, business studies. Um, you know, my last school had a fabulous um, head. I, I was actually head of, this is ridiculous, uh, head of hair and beauty. Um, I was chosen very specifically for the role, I believe. But we had this brilliant department, these two fantastic teachers, um, and the school decided, and I don't understand why, even though I was head of department, uh, I wasn't told the reasons. They decided to get rid of the hair and beauty department. So uh, what we used to do, excuse me, is have um, essentially it, it was a, a training school. So we would have um, we would offer out opportunities for people within the community to come and have the hair cut by students with these professional, you know, with these teachers who are also hairdressers. Uh, you know, looking after them. So, if you wanted a you know a colour, you can go down to the local sort of you know hairdresser and you pay your hundred quid or whatever. Or you can come to the school and you probably pay you pay for the chemicals basically, not the time. So, it might cost you 10, 15 quid, but it's not a hundred quid. Yeah. And and this is brilliant because you know so many of the of the students, you know, male and female, uh, they, they were rubbish in school. They were rubbish in traditional lessons. But if you saw them in the salon absolutely amazing absolutely in their element uh, and, and again that that was lost and why was it lost uh, yeah i don't know the reason but i'm guessing it's to do with money so it was just a, a question i was interested in um picking your brains over really being an ex-teacher um i work within family support and um often i'll be going into schools see kids and and 80 percent of the time or yeah, let's say 80% of the time I'll be going in because a particular child is struggling or is about to get kicked out or is not getting on in particular lessons, but the school isn't quite understanding why that is. Or they are so bound by a rigid set of rules that they can't alter for one child. And then, but then oh, does that well mean... Yeah, can I come back to your SEN? Yeah, vocational, but it kind of comes into, and again, I'm afraid it is a funding thing. Mm. When, again, <laughs> a bit repetitive, but when I started at this school, <laughs> uh, there was a whole department of SEN, of, of, of you know, teaching assistants, controlled by, you know, the head of SEN. It was a, it was a proper teaching role. It was, you know, fully funded. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know the numbers, but there were, 15, 20, 25 uh, teaching assistants all there because certain students had, you know, a number of hours where the government or the council, you know, however it was funded, would give would, would give the school money to, to make sure those students were well looked after, often in a one-to-one, not a one-to-one, -one, but they'd have support in lessons. And, and that money's ring-fenced. You can't sort of take the money from, you know, from the council to and then spend it on, on a playing field. You've got, to, you've got yeah. to spend it on the students. But slowly but surely, again, with academies, um, that money's kind of, it, it, it dwindles and it doesn't, it's not targeted. It isn't, it isn't spent 
on the students it's supposed to help. And, you know, schools, and I may be wrong, but this is my opinion on it, schools are taking that money and the pot is reducing rapidly and using it for other projects. And, and again, if you've still got the, you've got the same children there, the same children with the same needs, uh, they haven't reduced. If anything, you know, the number of children presenting in school with SEN issues has increased over time, but the funding has not. It has been reduced. And, you know, so if you are a parent of a child with, with whatever SEN need, um, you are going to have to fight and fight like hell to make sure that your child gets the support they need. Because, you know, it's not that the school are deliberately not offering it. It's because they can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not that they won't. They, they just physically don't have the money to do it anymore. Yeah, it is a, it's a tough battle. And it's, it's um, like I say, it's not something that I think that teachers are deliberately ignoring or not you know, doing anything about. It's just uh, mm. they seem to be so structured. Yeah, it affects teachers massively because teachers are, uh, you know, if you've got a class of 30 kids, uh, but you know that, you know, I don't know, so let's say two of them have got special educational need of one, you know, whatever description, you know, they do need more help. And normally in a, in a normal situation, they would have a teaching assistant with them. But yeah. you know, uh, slowly but surely those, you know, rather than having a teaching assistant every lesson, then it's just one lesson a week or one lesson every two weeks. Or um, the teacher's still got to try and get this information across. And you can, as a teacher, you can pitch it as many ways as you want. But that one-to-one -one support where there's a teaching assistant who's incredibly skilled at what they do, that is how the child is going to learn best that's why the support was put in put in the first place yeah and then it's 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 a thing that generally doesn't happen anymore and again it's down to uh, the funding situation frustratingly do you think they'll start to move away from or move into so like you've got your academies and then you'll have your purpose-built special educational needs more of them available and you'll have like sort of two separate kind of avenues um, I, well, I don't think so, um, because mainstream school is is kind of, I think, generally where uh, students should be. Mm. Um, you know, special schools, you know, they tend to deal with 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 students with really, mm. um, you know, specific and and you know, um, you know, uh, extraordinary needs rather than sort of you know the less severe. Uh, it, there's no easy way of putting it. You know, there are you know some students really need that one, yeah, one, yeah. one support, and there is no way they can attend school without it. Some students can go and sit in a classroom on their own. Whether they're going to learn without that support is a whole different, mm. whole different uh, question. But they are perfectly capable of being in the classroom without someone you know to to sort of you know check on their every every move, uh, move. but it's about getting that information in and um so I, I can't see it going down that route no because special schools uh, are hugely expensive to run and you know at the risk of sounding like a broken record um, the funding situation is not getting any better so um you know uh, the, the tax situation keeps going up but the uh yeah. <laughs> the distribution say it's not necessarily it's not working its way down as far as schools sometimes yeah yeah it's it's frustrating and quite annoying but yeah. <laughs> so did you say you were, you were doing some tutoring and working with was it was it adult learners or higher education or well we uh, uh, basically what happened was when we were looking at um you know, as two teachers who we've done 30 years between us, um, we're sitting there thinking, you know, if we don't want to carry on teaching, what, you know, what skills do we have? And um, 
it was my wife uh, who let's be absolutely clear about this is the brains behind the business okay. um, but she was also the one who left school first so she was looking at uh, what she could do and um, you know between us I mean she had a bit of a light bulb moment about um, how how teachers sorry how teachers how parents uh, don't often get all the support that they need in terms of uh, it's to do with a bit of maths homework that one one uh, parent asked on you know it's on the Facebook group what, what, what's this bar modeling and you know as a parent if you've never done bar modeling at school and it is a new concept then you can't help them but there isn't anyone out there to you know if we go back to talking about uh, Gina Ford that baby's every waking moment and sleeping moment is controlled uh, the parent is is absolutely under no certain no illusions as to what they should be doing at what time of the day uh, and in what order and all that kind of stuff as soon as they they go to school those kind of ex- instruction manuals if, if you like there isn't one yeah. so um we're thinking you know as, a, as secondary school teachers we can we can plug that gap and help parents better understand you know the you know, be the link basically between uh, the schools and their teenagers so rather than teenagers coming home grunting about their, uh, their day at school we can we can tell parents what to expect you know what's coming up next what are the key points what are the you know, obviously every child's different but at the same time the actual way that the school year runs and the different pressures that's, that students will be coming under we can absolutely predict that and help parents to to anticipate the, the pressure points the stress points and how they can they can help their teens through those difficult sort of um, ages leading up to exams. So hence the Parent Guide to GCSE and Parent Guide to Post-16 were, were born. Um, and literally they were born just before the pandemic. So start a business that's aimed at um, helping with exam success right before exams are cancelled for two years. Genius business plan. But <laughs> it did give us the opportunity because a lot of parents were in this kind of sea of pain about, well, what's going on? What are teacher assessed grades? Um, what are algorithms? What does my child need to do? And the messages coming from schools and from the government were a little bit sort of, you know, if, if not mixed, they're a bit confusing. So we did a lot of um, essentially giving the basics about what parents need to do at, at, at each and every moment. So, and so far, loving it, loving working from home. Um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. You know, we've got to build the business up, um, but we're, we're building our fan base. More and more parents are joining either our Facebook group um, uh, or uh, better still joining our membership. Um, I, I do, you know, I, I do. I do a lot more mentoring than Emily does. So I have sort of lots of mentees that I talk through, whether they're year 10, year 11. I, I do quite a lot of um, post-16 mentoring. Um, some of that is to do with university applications because my, my one of my one of my uh, passions, I suppose, is the UCAS process, getting into uni, you know, what makes for a strong personal statement. A lot of kids just don't know. And the, and schools are generally very good at helping, but I, I, I kind of almost preempt schools and say, look, these are the things you need to focus on. These are the sorts of things you could be talking about. Now go away and get some great experience. Do lots more reading. Um, you know, finish that Duke of Edinburgh. Um, you didn't do the NCS, but now's a good summer to do it. All the things that can help build a body of experience um, that will make them you know, better students, probably make them better human beings. The NCS is fabulous. You know, it's, it may not be necessary for a university application, but there's no downside to doing it. Mm. Um, it really helps develop them as individuals. Um, yeah, so I, it's it's everything and anything. Whatever 
whatever uh, we can help with, um, you know, even if it's just jumping on and doing a quick 15 minute chat with parents who are confused about something, even if they're not members, uh, it's great to meet people, great to talk education. Um, and we give them lots of ideas. If they subsequently join the membership, fantastic. If they don't, they'll go away richer for the 15, 20 minutes, whatever we spent with them, um, knowing that they can better support their child. So, um, so yeah, we miss out on the interaction with students and, you know, and parents at parents' evening, but we, we still get plenty of Zoom kind of um, you know, opportunities to talk yeah. to both parents and students. So I suppose really, I mean, I know, as you said about the exams being cancelled and being in the middle of lockdown and pandemic and things that it, it was a challenge and made things more difficult but i suppose with the whole of the world getting used to doing this kind of thing like like we are chatting and recording over zoom as for the podcast the whole world got used to that and very quickly we started doing that with everybody didn't we so i suppose that kind of helped you in a way as well did it uh, it, it did. I mean, when when the uh, pandemic struck, we had the parent guide to GCSE.com. That that was what okay. we did. We had a membership site. Um, we had different tiers of membership and things we were toying around with, and we we're busy developing that. And but most of our members were year 11s, uh, year 11 parents. And uh, when the pandemic struck, it's like, well, you know, it made us think that, well, those year 11 parents are about to essentially age out of our system because, you know, when they finish year 11, they don't need us anymore. They're going to be sort of into post-16. And so we sort of, you know, we always had the intention um, at some stage within the business of launching the parent guide to, to post-16. Um, but the pandemic striking, it, it very quickly made us realise we've got to get on with this. And, and so, so in terms of business planning, whilst everyone was stuck at home because you couldn't go anywhere, we very quickly got to work and, and, and uh, yeah, uh, got the ideas both of our brains you know working full-time to make sure that post-16 members had all of the information they need to, uh, they would need to help their child through the year 11 sorry year 12 year 13 process so um yeah so it was it was good and, and again with zoom you know would would, would I have thought about mentoring um students one-to-one -one? probably not zoom okay. is, is the perfect opportunity for it because you know, in terms of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do tutoring. I don't go and help them with maths and help them with IT and stuff. It is helping them with, um, with essentially, you know, being better at studying because okay. study skills is something that I think a lot of schools are not particularly good at teaching. They'll teach them all day long about maths and English and science and IT and all the other you know, languages, etc. But when it comes to how best to, should a child revise, a lot of the time, it's not mentioned. You know, teachers are too busy chucking out their content, making sure everything's done. They've got deadlines to get all that content into them by year 11, by year 13. Sit down, listen, make notes. Come, We're running out of time. Very rarely do schools sit back and uh, or step back and say, right, then in terms of revision, here is how you need to do it. Here's what's going to make that information go into the majority of brains, because obviously most yeah, every student is different. But um, yeah, but that's the thing that we we've kind of focused on, particularly with our yeah, we've got a, a thing called a GCSE toolkit out at the moment, which is hoping to well, it's helping both parents and it's aimed at students, but yeah, parents can can sort of watch it as well, and it just it bridges that gap where schools aren't necessarily telling students this is the best way of revising. Well, these are these are some of the best methods of revising. Try them all. One or two of them, three of them are going to be you know, going to really hit home. If something doesn't work, that's fine. You know, it's not for you. But there's going to be something within this package that we're suggesting. Try it. 
and see what works best. So uh, yeah, that's something we've been working on quite a lot in the last uh, month or so, and doing a lot more work with schools now. So we're, we're approaching schools, doing free webinars. Um, right. So if anyone wants us to do a webinar for a school, if you're listening, shout. Uh, there's never a charge. It's about getting as much information out to parents as possible. Um, you know, schools seem to be appreciating what we're doing. Um, helps to get our name out in the uh, you know recognised etc. So um, yeah, been enjoying doing that recently. I bet you're coming up to the busiest part of the year, aren't you? Really? You just come through um, mock exams and things like that. Do they? Um... Uh, well, mock exams are just gone. Um, yeah. So generally, most schools, in certain, particularly Year Eleven, um, have finished mocks by now. It's the last six weeks because well, it's the last six weeks. The last three weeks. Um, when uh, when we break for uh, Easter, and I'm assuming most schools are doing that at the end of this month, mm. um, you know that's it pretty much. You 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 go back at the end of end of Easter, and it's usually two two and a half maximum three weeks until that first exam, whether it's A level, whether it's GCSE. So, you know, um, the 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 information we try to put across to both parents and to students about how to revise. Yeah, it is peak season at the moment. It's still not too late to get that revision um, timetable really fully organised, put in some some sort of proper hours because most students don't have homework anymore. It is just to do with revise, revise, revise. And what we don't want to see is um, parents thinking, well, you know, my child is upstairs revising. They're sitting at their desk. They're, that's brilliant. I, this is a parent win. If they're sitting there just rereading their notes, yeah. There's not an awful lot going in. You, you know, we bang on all day long about working smarter, not harder. And it's about making sure they're using techniques to get the information in rather than just sitting there kind of you know, blankly looking over a book. If they, if you were to stop them and say, Rob, what have you revised the last half hour? A lot of the time, if they've just been rereading the notes, be like, um, well, I don't know. Yeah. And literally it's, it's, it's gone in and out in that, that amount of time. So it's got to be active. They've got to be doing something that's re- recreating, reproducing the notes, even if it's, you know, um, uh, taking a highlighter on, on an old um, resource and going back over it and highlighting things and then thinking, right, what have I just highlighted, turning your, your sheet over? And yes, if they can recall that, fantastic. It's getting towards the long-term memory. If they can't, just keep going back to it. Otherwise it's, it's not there. And on exam day, if it's not there, they'd be kicking themselves thinking, I've done this. I know I've done yeah. this. I remember doing it, but it's not coming. So, uh, and that's all about active, far better than passive revision. If I think back a little bit to when I was revising for GCSEs and I wasn't probably the greatest um, achiever at school, really, I probably didn't put the greatest effort in either, <laughs> if I'm mm. honest. Um, I probably was just one of them kids that sat there reading over the notes I'd made or reading through a book or something the teacher had given me and I was just sat there reading it. But having said that, our year 11 at the time was the last year 11 of the school before it was knocked down and rebuilt and amalgamated with another school in the town. So it did feel like it was a bit of a, let's just get these out and we can <laughs> start again with yeah. a new lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were we were the the last of that school and it, I don't think they were really that fussed about us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what part of the country? Are you? Uh, Cheshire, northwest. Because yeah. uh, actually, where I live now, there's a, um, a fabulous, well, fabulous, certainly infamous. Let's go with infamous secondary okay. school, very close to where I live, uh, and that was uh, again bulldozed. And uh, my la- my first training year as a as a trainee teacher, 
um, I, I was in this school as all the teachers were meeting to try and um, argue against this school closure and this you know, two schools being bulldozed this fancy fantastic brand new hugely expensive academy being built which has subsequently turned into just you know the perennial underachiever academy of, of Peterborough which has now been turned around you know in the last couple of years it's now starting to look like a seriously uh, good school but right. uh, yeah so let's just say 14 or 15 years to, to get to that place um but yeah um it's, it's a familiar story yeah yeah i was i was probably one of them kids that was more interested in the practical and the vocational stuff as well i was no no great achiever to be honest but um it just wasn't oh, with, that yeah. interesting to me to be honest i was yeah, yeah. and that's you know short attention span wasn't that interested i wasn't particularly you know disruptive or naughty or things like that i was just i had other things i'd rather be doing at 15 16. Yeah, I do remember going back, um, there was a, 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 a teacher called Charlie Barker, and he used to teach construction in the built environment, which sounds like a really fancy course, but um, it was, you know, it's a GCSE. Uh, and, you know, the school had this um, big shed, let's just call it that. It was a, it was a proper uh, brick building. But when you, when you walked in, there was nothing in there. Right. apart from a massive concrete slab and on that concrete slab there would be uh, you could see sort of building projects you know bricks going up a bit of mortar here angles there a bit of woodwork going in a window frame you know absolutely brilliant and i you know i i taught in the school for years i didn't know it existed i just you know, yeah kids went over there they learned stuff that came back again but when i went in and had a look at it it was, it was fascinating um and again these are the kids who, who who like a bit of hands-on these are the builders of the future um, you know the carpenters of the future, the electricians, the plumbers, the gas plumbers. Yeah, brilliant courses. But now you know that school doesn't offer it anymore. It's all you've got to go to college. You've got to, yeah. you know, um, it, it's just a lot of avenues are closing down. But that sort of course, in terms, you know, from what you're saying, yeah, just you know the hands-on elements. So many kids loved it, and so many kids out there, I dare say, who are really successful builders of you know or trades of one description or another. Um, you know, particularly at the moment, <laughs> coining it in. I mean, the, the demand for uh, for the trades at the moment is huge. So, um, yeah, my uh, my downfall would have been that I didn't f- follow it up and go on and do it at college. I, uh, I went straight off into the world of work. Um, was earning money at the time as a as a teenager up to sort of my twenties, early twenties. And then the work petered out and I decided to get what my mum used to call a proper job, which was a salary, yeah. <laughs> salary yeah. job. And that's where I'm, well, st- I'm not in the same one, but I'm still in a version of that now. Uh, I get a lot of, uh, asked this a lot by parents about the idea about a gap year after A-levels. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because, you know, the child's you know, working hard, you go on the roller coaster of year 10 to GCSEs to year 12 to you know and then your final exams and you know is it a good idea if if they apply to university for example but say i'll go in a year's time i'm gonna have a year off i'm gonna save some cash i'm gonna you know get a job and and sort of you know just just be out of education for a year is that a good idea and my answer normally well in fact always is is no because it's so easy to get you know a great job um you know you might be earning i'm just going to pluck a number here for peter you know earning 15 grand a year um, which in Peterborough is good money. Um, when you're living at home, it's good money. Uh, when you think about how much you're taking home each month, yeah, you know, assuming you're paying a little bit of rent, 
you know, they've got loads of cash to spend. Yeah, they yeah. can afford a car. They can, they can afford to uh, take their boyfriend, girlfriend out, whatever. They can, you know, all the all the the the, the, the niceties. They can do that. And to ask them to go from that, and then they obviously get mates at work, and and maybe they've got a partner who who lives, and and it just it's easy just to settle into that. And when when the university option comes up, you should be going to university this September. So no, I'm I'm earning good money now, and my boss says I can have another sort of fifteen hundred quid pay rise if I stick on, and you know, and and so students are turning down opportunities because they get set in their ways. Uh, they are you know they've seen they've seen the, the cash. Um, but they don't look at the bigger picture. And obviously, you know, um, I'm not saying a degree is the be on an end all because life experience is, is probably more important than that. But um, I think it's important that both students and parents go into those gap year discussions with a really clear understanding of how it may work out. And I see it time and time and time again where it causes problems between child, that child, using the term loosely, they're 18, 19, yeah. and the parent, because the parent wants them to go and do sort of a degree, apprenticeship, a degree, whatever, the child's quite happy earning the, you know, the, the cash and and just cracking on. And and as you say, a year or three down the line, that job might dry up and, you know, what do they do now? So it's, it, it can be a trap. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's only a trap if you don't realise that there's that potential is there. Yeah. I will talk about it a lot to members and well, to whoever wants to ask me about it. I get lots of questions on email about uh, about this sort of thing. And I, I always have uh, a fairly, well, not standard response, but a fairly you know, a clear response about how you know, it, a gap year is a perfectly good idea. I, I did a gap year. I went to uh, I went travelling. I came back and, and, and then finished my master's degree. I loved it. Um, but I, I, I was very minded to travel and then sort of go back and finish the degree off. So, or my, yeah. my second degree, sorry. Valuable conversation to have with them. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll remember that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a few years you got to remember it. But, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh... No, having been through the experience, I'll definitely remember it. Yeah, true. Because <laughs> then, you know, life, life tends to move fairly quickly once you start to get towards your sort of mid-20s and you, you do things like get a mortgage and settle down and start to have kids and before you know it the opportunity to go back into education and, and do things again starts to get slimmer doesn't it yeah i tell you, i'd love to have my education again there's so many things i'd do differently now i yeah. know what i know yeah definitely it's, uh, it's outrageous yeah one of my previous episodes in the past um month or two I was talking to an old school friend and we'd not really been in much contact since we left school, but I've seen his through social media that he's been doing things and working um, within sports therapy and at a football club. And we came on and had a chat about that and the process of him as a, as an adult learner going back into uh, uni and studying physiotherapy and sports therapy and mm. having worked in sort of dead end sales jobs, which you know, but rewarded him quite well at the time. Um, he just felt that he got to a point where he didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And uh, he was lucky enough at the time to have another friend that had done it also and then told him about it and how easy it could be. So he started looking into it and actually found it's not that difficult when you have got the the responsibilities of the, the, the house and the uh, maybe you've got a child and things like that. You can still do it. Yeah, um, people are very good at putting up excuses as to why they can't do something, but uh, generally there's always a, a workaround. So, yeah. The final question I've got written down, yes. um, whether you want to leave it at that or, or you want to elaborate a bit more. So, I've got advice and tips 
for parents um, supporting their teens through revision and exam preparation. Your sort of top tips, if you you don't want to give anything away, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to give stuff away. That's that's what we do. Um, the, the top tip is is just be there for them, support them. Um, knowledge. Uh, this is one of our strap lines. Knowledge beats nagging. Now, if, if the parent knows. Um, what pressures they're under and how better to help them, um, then it, it, it just it makes the whole dynamic, the whole parent student or parent teenager who happens to be a student dynamic um, so, so much easier. Um, you know, the amount of pressure they're under, uh, they put on themselves, let alone the, you know, the parents. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the bis- biggest bit of advice is, you know, if as a parent, you say, look, you know, results don't define, don't define you. If things do go wrong for whatever reason, that is fine. You know, we, we can work through that. There, there is always an answer. If you have to retake, that's fine. You can retake. If you have to, you know, um, not do the university course or the job that you want to do, there is always a solution out there. So it's never, it's never a final. This is, you know, I, I can't do what I want to do. There's always a route around it. It could well be that using your example you want to be a physio but you fail biology i mean normally that would be the end and you'd think that's the end of it well, of course it isn't then yeah, there's different different routes into it yeah um so it's about just being there to support and and make sure that they have all the tools available the space available the time available um you know if they want help with creating a revision plan give them the time to do that um you know if they don't want the help because they think you're nagging, just say that's fine. Sit back, you know, but just take an interest in 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 uh, in helping them if they want the help. So, for example, I keep going on about active revision, uh, the the act of asking questions, testing essentially. And I know the idea of a parent testing a, a child may not sound cool, but if you keep having that conversation about what did you learn, tell me about, you know, if they don't know the answer. Generally, the teenager will be like, oh, I've just, I've just revised this. I can't tell you. They will yeah. understand. They'll realise that it hasn't gone in. And it's better for, better for that to happen in a discussion with a parent than sitting in front of an exam paper thinking, I've got nothing. So, yeah, it's just the uh, that, that supportive element just to make sure. I mean, with my kids, um, I used to do a, a 10, 15-mile commute in the morning and night. So every morning, as we're in sort of year 10 through to 13, I guess, there'd just be a discussion about, you know, something that I had no idea about. I don't know about A-level geography. I don't know about A-level economics, um, A-level biology, many moons ago. But, yeah. you know, ask them a question. And when they tell you something, you can always extend and ask another question. They, you know, they love talking about it. They love showing the knowledge off. So being there, that supportive parent to do whatever is required, making sure they get snacks, making sure they get drinks. You know, I'm ranting now. For example, if a student is, is revising, if your teenager is revising, what they will look for is an opportunity to stop revising, yeah. to go and get a cup of tea, to go and get a snack, to go and get a pencil. If you provide all of those stuff in abundance, you know, they literally got a stationery store on their desk. You knock on their door every half an hour. Do you want a drink? Do you want to cut? If the, if the teenager says, no, I'm fine, get lost. That's, you know, that's OK. You're under pressure. You crack on. But it's that that supportive element about you know, and and. Yeah, when the results do come out on results day, they are going to be nervous. But whatever's in the envelope, yeah, that's okay. We'll work with it. Um, you know, as long as they know that they praise uh, the effort that they put in and not the outcome, that's probably the biggest thing: praising effort, not outcome, 
is absolutely key to to getting this right, in my opinion. As long as it's, you know, obviously, but the child has got to put the effort in. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it is a bit of a two way process. And there's nothing quite like um, going into an exam as a student, knowing that you've done everything you can do. It gives you a kind of a, a sense of peace and calm. If the questions don't come up nicely for you, then you know, you've still, you know that you've put your hardest into it. There's nothing else you could have done. Um, but it's that, it's that you know, um, ability to know that you've done everything you possibly could do to make the results uh, as good as they can be. And if they don't work out, you know, that's fine. We'll work with it. Brilliant. Do you want to finish off by letting uh, any listeners and, and parents know where they can find you and how they can sign up and, and all the places that you are? Well, we're on all of the socials, I guess. Um, uh, the main one that we tend to pay, no, pay most attention to is, is Facebook. Um, if you search for Parent Guide to GCSE or Parent Guide to Post 16, uh, you know, join up as uh, as or, you know, as a member. Um, it's a really supportive community. You know, if you've got a question, you ask the question. There'll be other parents on there who've been there, seen it, done it. Uh, and if they haven't, then we'll jump in and quite happily help. If we don't know answer, don't know an answer to a question, we've, we've still got a big network of teachers that we uh, we're, we're still friends with. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't mind sort of chipping in and helping out and, and what have you. Uh, websites parent guide to post16.com parent guide to gcse.com uh, we're on instagram and parent guide um, to gcse and uh, yeah uh, search us on 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 online you'll find us um you know we we yeah, we're trying to be everywhere yeah. trying to be as uh, everything to everyone and uh, if you need help as i say you know uh, there is a link on our website to book a chat uh, and we will happily talk education to any parent uh, and if you want to bring your child along, so because I mean, a lot of the time, parents, sorry, uh, children will see their parents as interfering. Whereas when it comes from us experts, we like to call ourselves, um, then it, it kind of has a bit more credibility. Yeah. And, and yeah, so we're quite happy to sort of almost play bad cop, yeah. uh, sorry, good cop to their bad cop and uh, and play that particular role. So yeah, they can, you can book a link. Um, we've got things like free revision planners, so you can sort of get a revision timetable for your child. It's all online. You know, there is a membership, obviously. I should mention that. We've got to make some money. Um, yeah, so Parent Guides GCSE membership, Parent Guides Post 16 membership. We give you all the support in the world. It's a teacher on tap all day long. Um, yeah, um, have a look. Look at look for us online and, uh, and uh, you'll see what we can do for you. Great stuff. Thanks for your time, Paul. No, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for letting me bang on. I hope I didn't get too political uh, uh, in the middle there, but... Um, yeah, love talking uh, teaching, love talking about how we help parents. It's great. It's um, it's a massive resource that's really valuable to all parents out there, isn't it? It's it's something that, as part of the podcast, I haven't covered yet, and and my podcast is you know mainly aimed at dads, but parents as well, and you know carers, anything really, uh, anyone. And um, like I say, I haven't covered that subject yet, and it's um, I like to think. I'm in some way trying to build my own little resource library for parents and dads. And there's different topics and subjects that we've covered on the podcast episodes that um, different people, depending on what they're looking for, can find um, and what they need. And this is one of them valuable things, I feel. Yeah, parenting, uh, parenting teens through GCSE and A-level or BTEC, whatever, post-16 is it's as hard a job as bringing up babies it, it's you know because the, the, the children don't communicate as much as they used to um so a lot of the time as a parent you are second guessing whether you're mum or dad it's 
you know, it's, it's hard. And particularly for your dad, where you're not quite as involved in, in their education, because for whatever reason, um, you know, the system still seems to be slanted against fathers. Um, it's hard to sort of know where you stand. And, you know, we, we again sort of um, help dads with that. So great. Thanks again. Very welcome. Enjoyed it. Yeah, always welcome to come back again if you've decided to um, expand the business and venture into well, other I, things. I, I, just, and... I do. I just love talking about it, and you know, it's it's just a, it's just because it's ours, our business. It's something that we're growing. It's just you know, there's a passion there to yeah. to 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 make it get bigger, and you know, we we you know. Uh, we just want to, we, we know there's a huge, you know, a huge number of students out there. There's a huge number of parents who don't know what they're doing, who, who, you know, either need the support and, you know, if they can't afford to pay us for it, you know, then the Facebook group is free and, and there's loads of people on there helping. We'll, or, you know, there's always an answer to every question, whether it's oh, coming okay. from us or from, you know, so whatever level of, you know, um, investment, whether it's zero to the membership, you know, we're, we're there to, to help out. And it's, it's, it just, it's nice that we can sort of we can do that and give up time to people and you know um it, it just makes it it's, it's job satisfaction wise it's brilliant yeah no it sounds as if you're giving that time to the actual area that you want to give it to rather than getting caught up in any other things that everybody does with jobs in general it's not just you don't just go to work and do the job you're meant to do there's always something isn't there extra that you have to do there's always something that we, we yeah there's always something that we want to do that we haven't done yet yeah there's so many areas i mean things like um key stage three so you know we, we cover year 10 to year 13 we, we'd love to be able to pick up you know members in year seven and take them all the way through yeah. to see that journey from you know, young student literally sort of you know with the oversized jacket on and you know don't have a tie tie all that sort of thing all the way through to post 16 and you know a, a university application and an apprenticeship application if we could do that fantastic but we don't have enough expertise for year seven to year nine we, we've got our general teaching thing but you know just in terms of tutoring i i was generally not a a year seven eight or nine tutor for most of my career same same with emily you know so we'd like to be able to take take on somebody to do that role but we just need to sort of you know we need to grow the business more we need to start paying ourselves properly before we start paying other people properly so yeah um rome wasn't built in a day and you know we're slowly but surely um getting more fans um and uh, yeah we're, we're we're enjoying the journey well i wish you all the best Thank and all the success much. and anybody who's interested needs a bit of help with the teens and the revision check out parent guide to gcse indeed and parent guide to post16.com yes. <laughs> brilliant thanks a lot okay cheers <laughs>